Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, KJZ. Today with Bob Shoes and Dan Graziano sitting in for the guys on Memorial Day. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We will talk to Woj coming up in a few minutes, get the latest on Anthony Davis. But we've been talking back and forth between the NBA and football all morning. And why not? Because June 1st matters, certainly matters to the Julio Jones situation. We'll talk about whether or not it matters where Aaron Rodgers is concerned as well. But in case you're just joining us, and Dan, look, you are you know as, as dialed into the NFL as anyone. Fans keep hearing June 1st, June 1st, June 1st. Mm. That is this you know Mendoza line where the minute June 1st passes on the calendar, we might see a flurry of activity. For those that might not totally understand why, explain it to them. Well, you don't necessarily see a flurry, but... The reason it's post-June 1st, the salary cap hit, if you trade a guy, in terms of the dead money you're left with on the contract, is less. You get to spread it out, uh, take some this year and then some next year. So, for, for instance, in the case of Julio Jones, if they traded him today, they have to take a dead money cap hit of $23.25 million. That's how much money they would cal- carry on their salary cap for Julio Jones, who's not playing for them. If they wait till Wednesday, which is the day after June 1st, um, the salary cap hit for them for Julio Jones this year is $7.75 million if they trade him, and they have to pay the rest of it against the cap next year, uh, 14.5. But, of course, the cap's probably going up again next year, and that's the preferable thing. So it doesn't lead to a flurry because there are very few situations like contracts like this, right? But in this, in this particular case, as it pertains to Julio Jones, the Falcons need the cap space, and trading him prior to June 1st wouldn't create the cap space because of all the dead money that they'd have to take on. So they have to wait till after. Similar situation with Aaron Rodgers at higher numbers, but uh, again, that's a different situation because right now the Packers don't want to trade Aaron Rodgers, whereas the Falcons seem to have made up their mind uh, that they will trade Julio Jones. Yeah, because you're saying the Aaron Rodgers thing not nearly as impacted by the June 1st number as maybe the Julio Jones situation. Just because of the different mindsets of the teams. The Falcons have to do it. If they don't trade Julio Jones, they don't have the cap space to sign their draft picks, who they want to have <laughs> at mandatory minicamp next week and training camp uh, at the end of July. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they're, they're going to have to get something. Done. We're inventing a new segment, by the way, we're going to have later on in this hour called Dan's Dumb Meter. And so we're going to give you some things like on a scale of one to 10 to grade them, how dumb you think they are. All right. If you're a Falcons fan, where on, because we don't even have this one loaded up, where on the dumb meter is it with you where a Falcons fan might be driving around right now wondering, so wait a minute, my team let the cap get to a point where I have to trade Julio Jones or else I can't sign my draft choices? Where, Where on the dumb meter does it register that the situation got there with any team in the NFL. I think if you're a Falcons fan, uh, first of all, you're, you're big into what Trey Young is doing right now, and yeah. that, that's probably <laughs> carrying distracted. you sure. a little bit. But um, I, I think you've made your peace with it, right? Like you've known for years that the cap situation was bad. Uh, the GM and the coach have been fired. Like you're starting over, right? And, and you're aware that the incoming GM and coach have inherited a difficult situation. It has not been... Uh, insufficiently publicized, particularly in Atlanta, that that the Falcons' cap situation is a mess uh, as much as any in the league. So I think you're already there. Now, in terms of Julio Jones, this is a player of of real significance to the fan base there. I mean, he means a lot to the city of Atlanta uh, and their fans. And there are going to be people that won't forgive the Atlanta Falcons for trading him, even 
though it obviously makes sense. Even though you drafted Calvin Ridley uh, in the first round a couple years ago and just drafted Kyle Pitts, so you feel like you've gotten replaced him with dynamic young playmakers already. This is a player that this fan base really, really embraces on a level that, you know, it hasn't very many. So I think people outside of Atlanta don't necessarily get that, uh, and there will be people inside of Atlanta that will be furious, but it really is the only move. And if you've been paying attention to the Falcons and their situation, you have to have seen it coming. You know, and along those same lines with Aaron Rodgers, that there will be people, I'm sure, that root for the Packers that will never forgive them if they were ever to sure. trade Aaron Rodgers. We talked about this earlier. On your dumb meter, you had it pretty high that the situation has gotten where it's gotten. I drew this parallel with Tom Brady the other day, and I'm curious to see if you mm-hmm. agree. How different is this situation than when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo? And the message was sent to Tom Brady, hey, you're in your late 30s or mid to late 30s, which now sounds ridiculous because the guy's approaching his mid-40s. Yes. He's still, still playing. Winning. He's still won another Super Bowl. Yeah. But the way Tom Brady seemed to deal with that situation was, you want to draft my replacement? No problem. Jimmy G, go sit down. And by the way, you're never standing up. And by the way, we're going to win three of the next five Super Bowls. That's it. They went to four more Super Bowls (laughs) and won three to the point that Tom Brady compelled them to trade Garoppolo before they had to pay him because they could see. Brady's never giving this job up. That guy's never getting off the bench. Why wouldn't Aaron Rodgers be able to do the same thing with Jordan Love and say, you know what, I just want an MVP. Like, great, Jordan Love, you got drafted. Go sit down. You're never getting this job. That would, I say, I would say be the right way to handle it, but uh, that's not the way Aaron seems to have chosen to handle it. I asked that question. See, I'm, I'm sort of the lone voice in the wilderness on this thing because I do all these shows, and all the former players are like, yeah, Aaron, it, it, it serves them right. They haven't given you enough can to we work be together with, on this? Which, yeah, please. Can I, you I, and I, like, you're every, the lone anyone's, voice? Anyone's welcome. Because I mean, Bart kind of yelled at me the other day when I brought this of up. Room yes. in the tent. Let's but, be together but, on yeah, this. Yeah, so. I asked that question, and the answer I got live on television from former NFL players was, well, you know, Garoppolo's second round. Yeah, you know, Garoppolo's still a fairly high pick. I, mean, I understand yeah. the Packers traded up for Jordan Love, so you could make the argument that, oh, the Patriots were using a second round pick on a maybe guy. What, but if you trade up in a first round to get a guy, that's not a maybe guy. You're saying this is our future. He has to be, or else you've blown the pick. Yeah, fair enough, but semantics. And I I think, again, if Aaron Rodgers had the capability to win MVP and take the team to the brink of the Super Bowl, um, just keep doing that, right? And and then things will sort themselves out. Like, do you think Aaron Rodgers would feel any differently about this situation if they drafted a quarterback early in the second round rather than trading up in the first round? You think that's what he's angry about? You think he's angry that they drafted a quarterback that people think is the heir apparent? I think it's more likely the latter. I I, I don't – I mean, look, could you – again, could you make it go down easier if it was the second round and not the first? Theoretically, but when when Rodgers spoke about the Jordan Love pick for the first time last summer – it seemed very clear from his perspective that what he was upset about was the loss of control over the situation, or maybe the realization that he didn't have control over the situation. He wants to play his whole career in one place and play into his 40s, and that pick said to him that that was the team telling him, not here, it's not going to happen. And so this whole thing is Aaron Rodgers, I think, is Aaron Rodgers' attempt to regain some of that control, to say, no, I'm in charge of my, en- my ending. I'm going to decide how long I'm playing football and how long I'm a Packer. I don't know that he can pull it off, but that seems to be what he's trying to pull off is get some more control of the situation. In your example, Brady took control of the situation, but just by continuing to play at a high level and winning and and the thing took care of itself. 
But uh, in Aaron's situation, he seems to have gone a different way, and then we'll see how far he's willing to take it. I mean, they fired a coach. They did. So does that not represent some, hey, Aaron Rodgers, we're listening to you. Let's talk about who the next coach should be. Or is there still, when he's talking about it's about the culture, it's about the people, is that Aaron Rodgers' way of saying, look, a player of my stature should have more say in who is making decisions in our organization than the Packers culturally are willing to let any player have? Maybe. But when I heard his interview with Kenny Mayne last week, my thought was, this is a guy who's trying to use some fan-friendly buzzwords to make sure the fans are on his side in this situation against the organization. Because it could go either way for him, honestly. I mean, there are Packer fans that are very loyal to the Packers and, and have the perspective that the Packers will be there long after Aaron Rodgers. Isn't that true? Uh, and there are, there are going to be fans that are upset that they alienated Aaron Rodgers. And I think he would want there, obviously, to be more of the second group. So I think he was trying to, to make sure and and say the things that fans like to hear. But it was thinly veiled, and, you know, he said great things about Jordan Love. He said great things about his teammates, said great things about his coaches, said literally nothing about the GM, and the beef is with the GM. So I think that's where we are. I, I, think, he's, I think he's trying to execute a power play against a guy in the organization that he apparently just can't stand. And to be fair, I mean, not fair, but re, uh, I, I guess real about this situation as compared to many others in sports – most other places in sports, not just the NFL, but certainly in the NBA, a player that has the kind of record and cachet of Aaron Rodgers would be able to dictate more than it seems like he's dictating in Green Bay, right? I mean, if the Packers were to fire the general manager because Aaron Rodgers wanted them to, yeah. that would be a watershed moment in NFL history. Not just Packers history, but NFL history, because the NFL, the team owners in the NFL, do not want their league to be the NBA in terms of the amount of control the players have in it. They're willing to, I mean, they're willing to acknowledge that there's some, that things are changing, but they don't want to get to the point where the, where the players can get coaches and GMs fired. So I think the Packers probably hold firm on that and don't fire the general manager just because a player, no matter how good a player is, wants him fired. If, if they did, if that, if that was a condition of Aaron Rodgers coming back and they did it, that's a massive, massive story in NFL history because of what it opens up for other star players. It doesn't look like it's going to go that way. We'll see. We'll talk more about this coming up. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Keyshawn, J. Will Zubin, brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Is your dad's razor older than you are? Get him something new for Father's Day. A DSC six-blade razor, perfect for an extra close, precise shave. Get one now at a store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash KJZ. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash KJZ. Woj is only moments away from joining us. We'll get back to the NBA. And obviously, we've been talking a lot about Kyrie Irving and the incident last night in Boston. I think we have a caller on the line to talk about that. Uh, Bob Shoes and Dan Graziano in for um, the guys on KJZ. Let's get the big Z in Missouri, who joins us next year on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. What's up, Big Z? I'm not hearing Big Z. Is Big Z hearing us? Is, is that it? That's it? That was the buzzer? That's the Big Z blew it? We were, we were all set the time. You know, not only that, but when you bring your call to a show by leading off that my name is Big Z. You got to come you with gotta, something. Yeah, you, Big Z's got to show. Yeah, I think Big Z, dial tone. maybe he did recycle and, and is now joining us here on KJZ. What's up, Big Z? 
A whole lot, fellas. Uh, my apologies there. A little phone uh, misconnection. But uh, anyhow, listen, I disagree with you guys 99.9% about what you're speaking of here with Kyrie and this fan, and here's why. From my understanding, Kyrie's act was a little more worse than, first off, a plastic bottle, last I heard, can't hurt anybody. Neither can popcorn. Uh, now, the spitting isn't justified. I didn't really figure out if that actually happened or not. Now, I know it can lead to some worse things, but Kyrie patted the, what do you call it, the Irishman or whatever the leprechaun is there. on the, And he was speaking of racism, which I don't know where he was going with that whole thing before the game. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's going like, well, where he's going with that is the history of Boston and what he has experienced in that town. That's where he's going with it. But if you're, if you're not aware that Boston has a little bit of a reputation for other athletes also experiencing similar things, you haven't read too much or paid attention too much. Well, I mean, I, if we want to do that, you can go back to the history of America being like that everywhere. Sure. You don't want to just point That's out fine. one town. But I agree, he, but Boston does have a reputation, unfortunately. But he's gone from there. He's done. He stunk yeah. it up there. He didn't, you know what I mean? Like, that's not his team. Okay. Why is he I, worried about it? I got gotcha. you. I'm just saying, I mean, like, stepping on the logo and justifying someone getting thrown, having an object thrown at them, or saying that you somehow know the bottle was empty or that popcorn doesn't hurt. Like, on the Dan Dumb Meter, you, you got a high score pretty much with each thing that you said. I just have, like, my issue, like, all right, so he stepped on the leprechaun's face on the logo. The leprechaun on the logo is not a living human being. It's a picture. <laughs> uh, Kyrie Irving is a living human being, and you're telling me, Big Z, like you want to you uh, establish some sort of code where which projectiles are okay to throw at right. players and which ones aren't? Where's I mean, the that scale? seems a little bit... A little bit crazy to me. I mean, like, like, like I, I don't understand. Don't throw anything right. at anyone ever. Right? Can I, can I throw a like, Twizzler? Unless it's a bag of peanuts, and then they're throwing you back five bucks. I mean, that's what, that's the extent of the throwing that should right. be going on in the stands uh, at, at an NBA game or any sporting event. I, I don't think – I mean, the fact that the bottle was empty – or if, or the popcorn doesn't hurt. I mean, come on. I mean, that uh, eventually it's going to be something that does, and I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't see that one. Well, nobody obviously has dialed in more to the NBA than our senior NBA insider. It is Woj. Adrian Wojnarowski, who joins us here on KJZ with Bob Wachus and Dan Graziano. Woj, thanks for lending our show credibility by coming on a Memorial Day. We really <laughs> appreciate it. You are a good guy. Bob, Bob Dan, how are you guys? We're, we're fine. Look, how much – we talked with, uh, with PJ about this in hour number one, but I'm interested to get your take because you talked to so many people. How concerned is the league about what seems to now be – you know, a disturbing preponderance of these fan incidents. Like, what, what's the word behind closed doors about how concerned the league is with what we're seeing? It's, it's a great concern. It has been a consistent uh, occurrence and theme since, you know, fans were essentially let back into buildings en masse. And, you know, it, it almost felt like really about a week ago, like somebody turned a faucet on. And the buildings went from a smattering of fans to packed houses. And this kind of behavior has followed it. And it is of great concern. And I think you're going to continue to see the NBA and teams and arenas do what Boston did last night, which is have the fan arrested. And when Trey Young was spit on in New York uh, last week by a fan, they gave him the option of whether he wanted to have that fan 
they wanted whether he wanted the Knicks to file charges or in the Madison Square Garden file charges against the fan who, who uh, spit on him. He decided against doing that, but that has to be the deterrent that is going to stop this. You would hope if if getting getting thrown out of the building isn't enough, getting your season tickets taken away aren't enough, uh, or not being allowed back in the arena for any future games is not enough. You would think the po- prospect of legal prosecution, public humiliation, probably losing your job somewhere if you have a job, uh, you would think those factors would stop this. So far, it hasn't. So what do you think? I mean, do you think it's possible? Again, I, I said this earlier on. Last year, we saw players take matters in their own hands on, on off-the-court issues that they wanted to protest by not playing. I mean, do you think it gets to a point, like, if the players feel unsafe, where they, where they take some sort of collective action and say we're not going to stand for this until something happens to stop it? It's a good question, Dan. I, I haven't heard that discussion yet among players or the Players Association. Uh, I, I know the Players Association is certainly behind the idea of prosecuting uh, people who do this. And so um, you, you, you would just have to believe, I mean, I have to believe, guys, that this is going to stop or it's going to become far more sporadic uh, based on the consequences uh, of doing this, that people are seeing, no matter how dumb you are, you are seeing other people uh, being charged, uh, put on camera, exposed, and, and that, that no matter how dumb you are, you don't want to be that guy. But I've underestimated people before. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. So look, we, I mean, we good on that topic, but let's, let's talk about Anthony Davis. What are you hearing? What's the latest on him and his status going forward for the Lakers? Yeah, I'm told uh, his status and the word that was used with me was unclear uh, for Tuesday night's game in Phoenix. I was told he's going to be day to day with that groin strain uh, left in the second quarter against uh, the Suns on uh, yesterday didn't return after the half, and um, and we'll see. It's funny how this series now turns again quickly. We were, I mean, I was on countdown hours before this game talking about, hey, maybe this path for the Lakers as a seventh seed isn't all of a sudden so daunting. Chris Paul's hurt. Hmm. The Lakers are up two one. They've got the winner potentially of Denver Portland, and to get to the conference final, and and as soon as I opened my mouth. Uh, Anthony Davis gets hurt. Chris Paul looks great in game four, looks as healthy as he has or, or as effective as he has anyway in this series since he suffered uh, that injury. And now all of a sudden it's 2-2 going back to Phoenix. The Lakers don't know if they have Anthony Davis. Uh, KCP uh, is out with, um, uh, you know, his missed game 4-2. He's day-to-day. So uh, this is uh, a real concern to the Lakers. I think even a greater Burden is is on LeBron James. You know, even if Anthony Davis plays, you know, groin injuries are tough, and, and so you you have to wonder even if he does play, his mobility, how effective he can be, and the prospects of him not playing. And they were they were being outplayed against Phoenix when he was on the court. It wasn't as if the Lakers fell apart uh, in that game once he went out. And it shows you how vital Chris Paul is, and if Chris Paul can be effective. And he can be a factor in this series. We saw it in 
you know, for part of game one anyway, uh, this is a real challenge for the Lakers to try to get out of the first round. And Woj, one last one before we let you go on Luka. I mean, how, how bad is that injury? The way he played in the first two games, I don't remember seeing a moment where I thought he was hurt or could have gotten hurt. And then all of a sudden he shows up last night and he's hurt. How, how bad is that one? Well, you heard Rick Carlisle after the game say that he, to him it looks as if Luka you know, really can't turn to his left. Wow. And uh, he did make some shots last night. He wasn't nearly as effective. You could see him. Um, uh, you, could see, you could see in his reaction – uh, that he clearly was playing in pain. Uh, he said he did feel better yesterday, uh, last night for the game that he did the day before, but all of a sudden the Clippers have taken back momentum in this series. He needs help from Chris Epps Porzingis. He needs help from Tim Hardaway, and those guys have played well in spots, certainly in those first two wins. But all of a sudden this is a, a Clipper team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the last two games who have looked like you would have Im- you always imagine they were going to look together in L.A., and these two have clicked, and their role players are playing great, certainly in these two games in Dallas, but it's just 2-2, and now they go home. Uh, but I think for Dallas, they need a, they need a otherworldly performance out of Luka Doncic to win this series. They were getting it for two games, and now we'll see uh, physically how he's able to hold up here the rest of the series. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Guys, anytime. Take care. You're the best. That's Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, and uh, you know, there's. It's amazing how those two series have completely <laughs> flipped from where they were 48 since, hours ago. It's incredible. Yeah, since Friday. That's right. And there's been a lot of flipping as well in the Knicks series as well. That's going to be something we're going to come back and talk much more about. If I would have told Knicks fans that they were going to win a playoff game in 2021, they probably would have signed up for that in a heartbeat back mm-hmm. at the start of this season. Do they have a right? to still be mad if this series goes the way it looks like it's going to go. We'll talk about that after we tell you this about Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. 24-7 support, free access to products, specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER. Click Granger.com. Or just stop by. Bob Schusen, Dan Graziano, in for KJZ on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. It was embarrassing, and Trey Young was right to mock them and to look at the crowd in Atlanta and say, we here. Do you expect the Knicks to be even more physical now that they'll be trying to avoid elimination? It's going to be a great environment. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Hoya Saxa, right? That's the yes. theme of this show, at least for this segment anyway. Bob Susan, Dan Graziano. KJZ here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and I want you to welcome in our next guest because, like, you guys want to put that, like, dog head thing on and chest bump oh. each other and do whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, get your, get your big gray Jack and white or, you know, navy blue and white uh, striped, uh, you know, rugbies that you guys wear in the student section. Go ahead. I'm not going to – I've never met, but I, I'm, I'm so glad every time I see her on the air – because we need more Hoyas on the air here. It's just Syracuse, 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 everywhere you look. <laughs> That's true. And, yeah, and, and so, you know, so I, I'm thrilled to see Monica on the rise here and, uh, and to welcome her to the KJZ show. Monica, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Shout out to Dan. I agree with you. We do need more blue and gray. We get tons of that orange around these parts. So right. I agree. <laughs> A little too much sometimes. So, Yeah. The thing we're talking about today is the, uh, you know, unfortunately, is the latest incident of uh, fan misbehavior. And what was your take on what happened last night with Kyrie Irving and and what he and Kevin Durant had to say after the fact? Um, You know, I really appreciated what KD said in terms of folks being pent up in the house for a year and whatever, right? Like, it does seem like people have temporarily lost their minds in terms of what is acceptable behavior at sporting events. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, and, and, you know, I know that Kyrie was on alert in terms of his relationship with Boston and his experiences with Boston. And none of us can tell him that his experiences aren't valid. That's his experience. Um, but I will say of what the four events we've had this weekend now, those are individuals and not the masses. Um, and so it's certainly glaring, but for the most part, I think that fans have common sense um, and appreciate their athletes, even the ones you love to hate, right? Like you appreciate what they're doing. Um, But I would just remind people the same kind of rules I have for folks on Twitter. If you wouldn't do it to a 6'5 cut up Russell Westbrook or a 6'2 Kyrie Irving that is very lean, if he was toe-to-toe with you, then don't don't try to hide behind being a part of a crowd at a fan arena. And, And most importantly, um, the consequences have to stick, and I think Boston got it right in terms of that is assault, and police were brought in. That's a smart answer. Nothing less than I would expect from a Georgetown There you alum, go. Right? That's exactly <laughs> the way it works. Monica McNutt with us here on KJZ, Bob Shoes and Dan Graziano sitting in for the guys. All right, you know what? You have been watching, I'm sure, every single possession of this Knicks series. I know you not only work for oh us, but also work for MSG uh, here in town. So is there any reason – for hope once this thing comes back to the garden, that one last chance for Julius Randle to be Julius Randle, one last chance for the Knicks being a really good defensive team to find a way to stop Trey Young? Or is there no silver lining right now and no hope for the Knicks? 
No, 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 with Susan. We, we definitely have some silver lining. And I okay. think uh, Omar from ESPN, our, our brilliant, the brains behind our social accounts, was on a Twitter space chat with us the other day. Um, and then Mike Green was on KJZ with us on Friday. And both of them said that the environment in games one and two um, were just Electric, better than electric, right? Like Mike Breen put it in his top 10 experiences in terms of crowd. And we know Breen has seen it all, right? Um, and he very eloquently talked about it being a culmination of all of our pandemic experiences and being on site. And, and Omar said, you know, he hadn't really experienced an arena like that, um, that he could think of either. And so I think that is the big X factor here, that the Knicks are coming home to a Madison Square Garden that is going to be packed with faithful folks um, rooting them on. I will say um, the Hawks are a very good team. They've got length. They've got great shooting. Trey Young is just, man, so puzzling. But I still really feel that the Dicks have not gotten anywhere close to their ceiling in terms of good basketball. Now, do you credit McMillan and the Hawks for that? Sure, partly. Um, but I do think there's something about coming back to the confines of home. And so I'm not ready to say die yet. Yeah, so, I mean, the problem with that is that Trey Young seems to have fed off of that energy uh, that was directed against him, right, uh, in Madison Square Garden. So what, what do the Knicks have to do about him? How do they, how do they answer him? They haven't been able to, to figure it out in four games. So in, I can't remember, was the first quarter or second quarter yesterday? In the first half, um, you saw the Knicks looking to put Trey in some screen and roll action as a defender, right? And he was actually playing it like a big, which was kind of funny to see. He would hard hedge and then recover to his guy. I think that's one strategy. Trey did pick up a couple fouls in the first half that are uncharacteristic. He clocked Julius Randle on the head one time. He got one in that trying to defend the screen another time. And so I've continued to maintain that they've got to find ways not to allow him to hide on the defensive end of the ball, right? Like either he's going to give up a decent look or he's going to pick up fouls. And you can't stop anybody better than them being on the bench. Now, I'm not going to act like that's easier said than done, not easier said than done. Um, but to me, that becomes your smartest option because slowing him and keeping him out of the paint just hasn't worked. Now, Alan Hahn, our boy, also holds it down on KG, KJZ, and um, my colleague at MSG has maintained let him shoot. Like his shooting percentage has not been tremendous. Let him shoot the ball or keep him out the paint. So that's a strategy there. But more than anything, guys, like – Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett have to show up. I mean, Justin Tinsley, one of our colleagues over at the Undefeated, has this great formula, 2-1-1, right? And he's like, your superstars get you two victories, your others get you one apiece. Game one, Alec Burks gives you 27 points. That's an opportunity bone. Uh, Derrick Rose at this point has given us two, at least two, if not more, stellar performances that should have carried a team to a win. So if you put Derrick Rose in that superstar category, you're looking for one more from another. And so... You know, the Knicks have to make shots. Like, they absolutely have to make shots. And it has been like trying to run through mud and sand on the offensive end for them. So I'm looking for them to get out and transition a little bit more, too, because just coming down and setting up at the half court has not uh, fared well for them. Yeah, I don't know, Monica, if it's oversimplifying this, but to me, the NBA, more so than any sport, is about whether or not your star players show up and play like stars. Right now, the Knicks have a guy that we all watched during the season at least play like that. We weren't sure if he really was that. Maybe he's being exposed in the series as not that. But the Hawks have a guy that's a star and that's playing like a star. I mean, he's accounting for over 50 points a game Mm -hmm. when you add up what Mm -hmm. he's scoring Mm -hmm. and how he's assisting. And the Knicks, no matter what they throw at him, he goes wherever he wants to, whenever he wants to. I don't know how you change that 
I mean, it's great. Like, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere again at the Garden, and the fans are going to know this is it. Just try to get back to Atlanta for one last crack at it. But the crowd doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not the Knicks can stop Trey Young from going wherever he wants to go, wherever, <laughs> whenever he wants to go, because they haven't done it for four games now. Oh, man, with shoes in. Come on. Come on. We're, the crowd is going to just – this time I, the I watch the Jets him. all the time. Like, don't don't True. come at me with, like, the, you know, you're, you're throwing water on my – on my, like, being a wet cloth here. I know. I, look, I think the Jet thing is starting to go listen. positive as well. I'm trying to be positive, but there's listen, not a lot to be listen. positive about right now. And, and that's the reality of it, right? Like, that is 100% the reality. At the end of the day, the five guys on the floor got to stop the other five guys on the floor, and the Knicks have flat-out struggled to do that. Now, listen, um, it's young. It's early in Trey's career, and he's young. I don't know that I consider him the villain that a Reggie Miller was to the Garden, but can you see that trajectory? Sure. Um, but I, what I will say, down 3-1, I would much rather be coming back to the Garden than going back to Atlanta. Yes. So if that's our silver lining, then that's what we hold on to. And you hope that Tibbs and those guys are able to make some adjustments. But um, to your point about uh, Randall, I think this has been a tremendous learning experience for him. And any NBA player will tell you that the regular season does not compare to the intensity of the postseason. And, and someone said, you know, we're seeing the difference between a former MVP and Derrick Rose and a most improved. And um, while most improved is not anything to sneeze at, there's questions about sustainability there where Derrick Rose has been able to tap into that basketball IQ that was as much a part of his ability to become an MVP as his athleticism was. And he's just been unafraid at all at any point in the series. Monica McNutt, the analysis is outstanding. Great personality. She shouted about out about 15 ESPN colleagues during her hit. Total package. Doing Georgetown proud. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have your Memorial Day. You as well. That's Monica McNutt. That was a good job. You're right. She checked no, a lot of boxes awesome. there. Have you been watching? She's, I mean, she's been great. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And what also was great is the ability on our show, the first time you and I have ever worked together, to create a segment. We invented a segment. We did? And I'm excited about it coming up. The Hoya Saxon one? No, man, Dan's oh, well, dumb up. meter. I, coming oh, up after the break, we are putting stuff on your dumb meter. Thing. That seemed like a long time ago. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with more than 30 unique coverage options available. Progressive knows small business. Learn more at Progressive Commercial. Dot com. There's actually something Jets-related I'm going to throw at you for Dan's dumb meter. All right. When we come back, Bob Wischusen, Dan Graziano, sitting in. KJZ, ESPN Radio, ESPN2. And I've got something to read about O'Reilly. We're going to get to Dan's dumb meter right after your fraudulent radio host continues to screw up the formatics. <laughs> Murray AC month is going on right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. If your AC is blowing hot air, you need immediate relief. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts during Murray AC month and get up to a $100 gift card after mail-in rebate when you purchase a Murray AC compressor, accumulator, or dryer, expansion device, and condenser. There's no need to sweat it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today and talk to our professional parts people or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Bob Wischusen, I actually register on Dan's Dumb Meter. That's how bad no, I apparently am at this. On, and I'll continue to screw things up when we get back on KJZ on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Hey, it's Greeny, and the Phoenix Suns have evened up their series with the Lakers to the surprise of many, including me. Are LeBron and AD in any real trouble? We'll talk about that and more Tuesday with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dan, think you are. That's what Man. this next segment is all about. The Dan Dumb Meter, Bob and Dan Graziano. I've been training my whole life for this. KJZ, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us. On the Goodyear hotline. Yeah, we invented this. We just somehow yeah. in the last hour talked about what you think is dumb on a scale of 0 to 10. We're going to talk about more things than what you think is dumb on a scale of 0 to 10. And uh, we're going to lead it off. I mean, this kind of sounds more insulting than it is, but Tua Tunga Vailoa, yeah. quarterback of the Dolphins, yeah. in a presser the other day, talked oh. about he wasn't comfortable calling plays last year. And here's what he had to say. I think the guys that were here last year were phenomenal. I just didn't have the comfortability of checking plays, alerting plays, and doing that. I just rode with the play. Even if I knew it wasn't going to work, I was still going to try to make it work. I didn't actually know the playbook necessarily really, really good, and that's no one else's fault but my fault. Our play calls were simple when I was in. I didn't have alerts and checks, where now I feel more comfortable and I can maneuver my way through these things now. On the Dan Dumb yeah. scale, where does Tua Tungabailoa admitting that last year, as a rookie, playing in the NFL, didn't really know the Dolphins' playbook all that well? Yeah, I, I gave it a six. There's a lot to unpack here, right? Like, honesty is a good thing. I like it when, when players and coaches and people that you interview give you honest answers, and this is obviously that, because who would, who would make this up? Uh, but, you know, I get what he's saying, and what he's saying makes sense. Look, he came in hurt. There was no offseason. There were no preseason games. He wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. You know, all kinds of reasons last year was like a redshirt season for him in the NFL, and, and that's fine. I, I get it. That, that's totally fine. Dolphins had a good year anyway, and he can make a leap this year. But when you say something like, I didn't really know the playbook, that sticks, right? It's like when Darnold said he was seeing ghosts, right? Like, I, I, everybody knew what he meant, yep. but all that mattered were the words. And every time that he, you know, he, he threw one where he shouldn't have thrown it, it was, is he seeing ghosts? So that's, Tua's got to outplay that comment. And also, the word comfortability is a pet peeve of mine. You hear it all the time in sports. The word is comfort. You don't need to add four syllables to a to a two syllable word. Okay. It's not Tua. I'm not getting on Tua. A lot of people use this. I just read it. Comfort. If you're looking at me and you're I, getting I angry at me, I, I was no, just no, reading. No, I'm not the quote. angry at you. I'm okay. not angry at all. But uh, that, that word needs to be struck from the sports lexicon. Comfort, not comfortability. So comfortability actually scores very high on the Dan Dumb scale. I don't know if it's dumb. It's, it's just it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. Like somebody said it once and then it sounded good, but it's not necessary. Yeah. The comfort. reason I think this all scores a little too high on the scale is. 
you have to know in today's NFL, yeah. you get drafted where he got drafted, you're yeah. playing. Yep. If you don't start day one, you are going to go in the game at some point because the culture of the NFL, fan bases, mm-hmm. they don't want to wait. Owners, they don't want to wait. Yep. Teams that normally draft a quarterback that high are drafting them because they don't have a good one and they're bad, so why not put a rookie in there to play? You add all of that up, Patrick Mahomes, in today's day and age in the NFL, an outlier. Yeah, These guys that get drafted in the top ten all play as rookies. You see that landscape. Mm-hmm. You know at some point you're going to go in the game. How do you not have a firm grasp on the playbook? It just means you didn't hold up your end. You didn't do your job. Yeah, I, I think it's – I mean, I guess we could get – we could get into what was happening behind the scenes and how much of his responsibility and whether his coaches agree with him. Is he being too hard on himself? All possible. But, yeah, it's just the words. I didn't really know the playbook. Those are going to stick with the young man, unfortunately, if he struggles. I, I hope he doesn't. I think he's a good player. But uh, we'll see. It's a big year for him. Here are some words that may or may not stick with Zach Wilson of the now New York but living in New Jersey Jets. You know, there's definitely some aggressive drivers here, that's for sure. Uh, getting used to that, you know, getting cut off about every everywhere you go. Um, you know, but really it's, you know, I feel like I'm at home. I don't feel homesick. I don't feel like I'm, you know, missing anything or, you know, I'm having a blast. And I think, you know, the coaches and the players just make it easy to fit in and, and get going with everything. Zach Wilson yeah, talking honestly about New Jersey drivers. Yeah. I, I don't even think this registers on the dumb meter. What no, do you think? I mean, I, I gave it a, a two. I might have even given it a one. Like, I give it a zero. I, I, yeah, zero. I didn't know zero was an option, but it's down there. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Born and raised uh, in New Jersey. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's God's country as far as I'm concerned. And, and he's lucky to be living there. Um, but... The driving things. I mean, you, you're in it now, Zach. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, this is. The, you're right. I mean, but you've got to. You got to catch up. I mean, this is the only place I've ever lived where anybody really actually knew how to drive was New Jersey. And and people who are from outside New Jersey don't get it. But you got to pick up on it quickly. The only way to really, I think, know how to drive is if you learned it in Jersey among the aggressive drivers. Zach Wilson is there now. He said a lot of nice things about Jersey too, which I would expect. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's not it's no joke. Here's man. what I'm you saying. You know, hundred uh, percent. Born and raised Jersey. Here's what I would say. If I was going to put like a little laminated cue card on the dashboard for yeah. Zach, tell me if I'm missing anything. Okay. When you get to the gas station, just roll down the window. Yep. Don't get out of the car, man. That's a, that's a perk. It's the only place in the country. Do not get out of the car. Someone is going to come pump yep. your gas. Just remember that. Yep. You get out of the car, and all of a sudden, you start going for the pump. The guy at the gas station might be, hey, nah, he's going to shut you down. That's it. You are taking right. my job. So that's don't get one. out of the car. You have to make a right if you want to make a left. On a, on a major road, yeah. It like doesn't gray. sound... The jug handle. That's right. It yep. doesn't sound logical. But and again, if anywhere you, else in America, it's not. But if you want to go left, you got to go right. Yeah. And it's, but you learn that, right? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, it makes sense when you're doing it. You're not going to turn left across Route 1 in New Brunswick. Right. Uh, you get... Yeah, I mean, so, no, no. It'll all make sense to you, Zach. And, and real quick, also, in parentheses at the bottom, it's Taylor Hamm. It's Taylor it, Ham. It is Depends not, where you it's are, not pork roll. But if you're in the southern part of the state, it's pork roll. Yeah, then you're a Philly fan, and I don't really so associate I up, with you. I grew up uh, in Trenton, near Trenton, and it was pork roll there. Yeah, I know, but that's, that's like... And the, then I that's, lived in Ridgewood, and it's Taylor Ham. And now when you move to Ridgewood, you learn the truth. Because <laughs> you're just wrong. Down by Philly, it's just absolutely <laughs> wrong. Hey, real quick, do we have a chance? To, I don't think we're going to run out of time before we could squeeze anything about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes says he wants to go 20-0. and 0. I mean, on a scale, on the dumb scale, can they go twenty and zero? No, they can't go twenty and zero. That's why I gave it an eight. It's not dumb for him to want to. 
right? right. But the idea of going 20-0, it's, it, there's, there's no way. The Chiefs, they won, like, more than half their games by less than a touchdown last year. Like, it's not, you know. Yeah, I mean, they can want to go 20-0. Anybody that thinks they're going to go 20-0, they're like a a 9.5 on the dumb scale as far as I'm concerned. I enjoyed Dan's dumb scale, though. Me too. That was awesome. Another hour coming. Bob with Shoes and Dan Graziano. Moving over to ESPN News, KJZ.